Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The run starts every day at the 5th Street Lifeguard Stand. That's not for a few hours, but I'm meeting Raven here at Muscle Beach. This is really where he starts the day. Palm trees line the coral walls and separate the sand from the sidewalk. There's a vibrant group scattered around on the equipment, all shapes and sizes, but with the same goal, to get fit on the beach. Raven enters the scene. He rides his black beach cruiser with a little black box in the basket. Just as he gets off the bike, someone immediately approaches him. How you doing, boss man? All right, how are you? You know, I always told my girlfriend that when I get older, mm-hmm. and like, I'm guessing you're 70, 60? 71. No disrespect or anything, okay. I'm it's just guessing. Okay. And I'm yes, like, you're when, good, I'm, good when, guess. when I'm old, I want to be working out. Because like, like, a lot of people your age, like, I can't do that. They're just like, like, I, you rub them out, you know, like, like, I'm like, he, he, he does like two more than me, you know? So yeah, you know, it's just like motivation. Man. Yeah, it, yeah, it is, man. Good. Yeah, I appreciate just, it, man. Just keep it up. Thank you, boss. Yeah. I say, if you do, if you do it every day, you should be able to keep doing it every day. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Just, just keep at it. Thank you, boss. Yeah, you will. Appreciate welcome. it, man. Keep it up. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Okay. Well, Raven's appearance is different than others on Muscle Beach. He holds his own. Raven removes his jacket and puts on his workout gloves. He then places the black box beneath the metal pull-up bars as a makeshift step up and begins his workout. He starts by doing a couple dozen pull-ups, followed by hanging until he has to let go. He ends with 100 push-ups in a row on the sand. Raven added this workout to his routine in 1973, a decade before what's known as Muscle Beach came to be. After the workout, he goes back to his apartment with light weights, does some curls, and takes a few swigs of Gatorade. Within the next 45 minutes, he's out the door. I meet him at his apartment and walk with him to the start of the run. And remember how I told you he was kind of obsessive compulsive? I started to take a left, but Raven gets me back on track. That might have been a straighter shot, but it's not part of his path. He's not just getting ready for the run, but everything he does how he takes off his shoes, the specific gait he uses, it's all part of the ritual. First, he must go through a small gate outside his apartment, which leads to the driveway. Even if the larger gate next to it is open, he chooses not to walk through it because it's the way he's always done it. Raven always walks on the west side of Ocean Drive until he gets to the corner. Then he crosses and comes to the newspaper box just at the start of the path. There's a big bend to stretch his back and then comes to the coral wall, which he climbs over, turning to his left and beginning to count his steps to the lifeguard stand, his little warm-up of 139 steps. Upon arrival, 
He ties a black plastic trash bag to the metal bars that support the lifeguard stand. Why? This lets everyone know he's on the run. After that, he changes into his running uniform, takes off his jacket, removes his shoes, and then his pants. He lathers up with a mixture of sunblock and a splash of baby oil. He has another bag with a paper and pen in case he gets an inspiration for a song, a comb, and one black glove. He takes out his glove and puts the rest of his belongings in the lifeguard surfboard box. Then bends down and says a prayer. God, please take the pain away. He tells me this was added 10 years ago. Runners have made their way to the stand and engage in small talk. I can sense their bond. Since I've been here a few days with the Raven, I begin to notice a sense of community. Some of the runners are regulars. Others are those who have traveled because they heard the story and they want to catch a glimpse of the legend in action. And I asked some of them about the first impression they had of Raven. His commitment and the community and determination, I just, it's fascinating that I got to meet this man. See this guy uh, hanging from one of these rusty bars, long hair, beard, uh, his skin deeply tanned, and shirt off, just wearing long black pants. He was just hanging there from the bar, frozen like a, like a statue, his arms creating like a 90 degree angle. And I still remember, I got the impression like this guy is like Jesus Christ of the uh, post-apocalyptic South Beach. Uh, that's the impression I got the first time. I was just fascinated. At that moment was one of the reasons I started working out there and the first time I met Raven. I'm sitting in the now defunct news cafe at uh, Ocean Drive and 8th having breakfast and there was a waiter who was an avid triathlete. He asked me where I ran and I said I would run the beach. He, uh, he says, did, did you run with that guy? And I said, what guy? He says, well, there's a guy on the beach. He runs every day. He's dressed in black. They call him the Falcon. And I said, you know, there was a guy I've, you know, I've seen many times running the beach dressed in black. I guess that's the guy. No, I don't run with that guy. And a couple of days went by and I'm running the beach. And sure enough, this guy dressed in black is running towards me with some people. And I said, are you the Falcon? And he looks at me somewhat confused, but dead serious and says, nope, but I'm the Raven. You really can't miss the Raven on the beach. His appearance and style has remained the same throughout the years. He's a very distinct individual, and you know he's 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 wearing black on the beach first of all, and he's kind of hunched over. He's much older than most everyone else there. He's got a you know uh, kind of an Elvis like coif to his hair almost. I see him coming from far away, and so of course I run up to him. I'm so excited to talk to him, and so I come up. I was like, "Hey, are you you know Robert Kraft?" And he gives me this like dirty look, <laughs> and he's like. My name's Raven. And to be honest, he looked tough and menacing. In fact, so much so that I didn't talk to him for around 20 years, exactly 20 years. From a distance, he had this long black hair and he had black shorts on. He had a black glove on one hand and had a black headband around his forehead. His hair was long and straggly. Uh, he was wearing sunglasses, black shorts, black shoes. He didn't look too friendly. He had a mustache and beard that was all black. It didn't look too inviting to me. So I held back. I didn't just walk over. And uh, they took off on the run, and I trailed them. And uh, I I dropped out three or four months later 
when I built myself up mentally, I went back, introduced myself, and ran along with him. And I found that despite his appearance, he is a very engaging personality, welcoming, friendly. The first meeting at the stand always brings a bit of excitement and some slight confusion, but it validates that the Raven is always on time. And 4.30, Cub rolls around, and I see this gentleman, he's scuffling through, and, and that was him, and he has this persona where everyone knows of him. They are kind of enamored by this, this this fella as he's coming to, to the lifeguard station. So I was like, okay, this is pretty neat. This is interesting. I, I had no idea who the Raven was, and they explained that he's like Forrest Gump, and he runs every day at the same time on the beach, and he has this crowd that just comes and runs with him. First of all, I was very nervous because I had known about Raven for many years, but I had never made it to Miami. I was like, well, what if he's early or what if I'm late or something, you know? So I got there like half an hour early and of course he's not showing up. And I'm like, oh man, do I have the information wrong? Am I really at the right spot? Is it really the right time? And he does it every single day for 46 years. He's got to, you know, be there. But, you know, but I kind of worked myself up into a tizzy, (laughs) you know, and I'm excited to meet the guy. I guess I imagined him being there for like a little bit before the run, but he's like clockwork and he just shows up like right on time when it's time to go run. I started joining him and I just became mesmerized. I mean, he's got an attraction, charisma that's very odd because he's got a very, he's got his cycle of doing things that's very specific and not very flexible. In 46 years, he. Every day at five o'clock, he's been on in front of a lifeguard stand in Miami Beach. And he's made that commitment. I, who else is gonna do that? I don't know if it's because I'm always late, but he's always on time at the lifeguard stand. He does, he, he puts on his gloves, he gets ready, he has to hassle everybody. And then my favorite part is the roll call. You could set your watch by him, he was incredible. Uh, we used to watch him from the beach or even from our terrace. Uh, we have a place on uh, Ocean Drive. So he was a constant uh, presence on the beach. They're all a part of this special, unique community that has taken form over all these years. Spending time with the Raven has made me realize that he's longed for a connection. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A 17-year-old raven ventured all the way to California in hopes of reforming a relationship with his father. But he left, shattered and empty. He set his sights on Vegas, 
with hopes it would finally offer him an escape from his own identity. I wrote Richard Phillips from uh, Los Angeles. Mail was pretty quick then, so he might have gotten in a couple of days. I got the ticket, then left, because it didn't take that long to get there. His brother was waiting for him. He was like late at night. We got to the um, Greyhound station in, in Las Vegas, and they had country music. They had Merle Haggard playing on the jukebox. On a freight train leaving town. That was pretty cool, because Vegas was like almost like a country town. You know, it was lights and people and activities, people staying up late and women and gambling. At night, Las Vegas, multicolored signs of the downtown clubs tell you that it's fun time at the entertainment capital of the world. Las Vegas can boast of many things. It makes little difference what the visitor's pleasure might be. He will find it here. This is the place, whether dressed in mink or blue jeans, where everyone receives the same hospitality. Where the slogan, come as you are, has a real meaning. Yeah, at first, it's, you know, you're there, it seems like a lot of fun. And it was like four blocks down Main Street and then four blocks the other way up the Strip. It was like an eight-block area. They have all casinos. Vegas became the desert boomtown that in the late 60s was a key destination in America. Howard Hughes started buying up casinos from mob bosses, which led to legitimizing an industry built on the back of organized crime. Slot machines, card tables, fine dining, and the place for the greatest entertainers of all time. Frank Sinatra brought his swagger and style to the city, along with Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. everyone to the Frank Sinatra Spectacular. And then, of course, the king, Elvis Presley. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing and your one-armed bandits crashing all those holes down the drain. Viva Las Vegas turning day into nighttime, turning night into daytime. If you see it once, you'll never be in the summer of 68, Raven moves in with his friend and two other guys. Here against the glitz and glamour, Raven's creativity would be sparked. This was the place the dreams were made. I was 17, Richard Phillips, his brother, Mitch Phillips. Mitch became known as the miser, and he really was a miser. So he just turned 21. Richard had just turned 18, he was a few months older than me, and another guy named Norbert. And Norbert must have been 21, so we're all pretty young. They were all, all on our own. And there was four of us in one, it was a one bedroom apartment. And Norbert and I slept kind of like in the living room. And then Richard and his brother slept in the, in the bedroom. Suddenly, I'm with somebody I know, what I felt was a good friend and, you know, always was. His, his brother, Mitch, uh, he wasn't anything terrible. Just he was kind of just a, a cheap guy, he had no other interest but gambling. And the other guy only gambled. Richard and Mitch both worked as busboys. And they, to be a busboy, you have to join, you just can't just be a busboy, walk into a place and they hire you. You have to go through the culinary union. So uh, they told me where it was. I went down there and got certified and, and they got me a job at a place called the a Nevada Club. is right next door to the Golden Nugget, right downtown. The Golden Nugget is one of the oldest casinos in Vegas originally built in 1946 and was looked at as one of the largest casinos in the area, which near the beginning built a gigantic neon sign 
which was part of the spark that some say led to the development of neon on the strip. Little did I know Waylon Jennings was performing at the Golden Nugget. I had to bring out the garbage, not every night, but that night I bring out the garbage and there was a poster in the back of Waylon Jennings. He's sitting on a garbage can, you know, with a cigarette. That photo on the poster became the album cover for the 1968 release, Hanging On, which came shortly after Waylon lost his father and was going through a divorce. Waylon, like many other artists, was a part of Vegas's lounge acts, and seeing his poster on the wall would have a lasting impression on Raven. I didn't know his music. Then when I heard him singing, put the, the face together, and that, that was my first impression of Waylon Jennings. I heard of him, but now I knew him, now I saw him. You know, thought he was the best singer in the world. That's the kind of guy I want to write songs for, I said. That's what you get for loving me. Waylon Jennings was born in Littlefield, Texas, just outside of Lubbock. He was a disc jockey first, and then in the 50s, played bass with Buddy Holly and the Crickets, before forming his own band, The Wailers, in 61. Waylon's voice, a gritty baritone, had a unique sound for the time. In 1965, Chet Atkins persuaded Waylon to sign with RCA, and this led to Waylon moving to Nashville and becoming roommates with Johnny Cash which would lead to a long-lasting friendship. Waylon's reputation was a rebel with a hint of rowdiness, and the power of his lyrics were well-received as he was on his way up. That's just how the midnight work started, you know, working in Las Vegas. To this day, that's why I'm up late. So I never got out of that habit. I always liked the dark, I always liked the night, quiet, even as a kid, but this was this set me off. Since I was working all the time, I. Uh, I was, you know, trying to save money because I had no money to spend. I mean, I had no money that I wanted to spend because I wasn't going to go gambling. So I got a bank account and I saved money. And that was that was a smart thing. I, I, can't, I didn't come back here broke. I was making, well, $2 an hour back then. It was a lot more than 90 cents an hour at the um, Seabreeze Hotel. And working at the Golden Nugget and Las Vegas Club was better atmosphere. Meeting Waylon Jennings is better than meeting these grumpy old men. It was, I guess it was a step up in a sense that I was saving money and, and working to get a little experience in life. Raven's feelings about Vegas started to change as he realized how things worked around him. Well, it got real hot in the summer, like 115 degrees. There was no humidity, which is totally different than I'm used to. And uh, once you get past the gambling and you get past the excitement of Las Vegas, and being that I wasn't 21, I couldn't gamble, tried a nickel machine once and lost. And I said, you know what? This place don't stay open because people win money. It was just, you know, if they do win money, they, they give it back. So I, I was I, already, that's it. I'm not going to gamble. This guy Norbert, every, every week that is my roommate, was working like crazy in a, in a casino or as a waiter. As soon as he got paid, he loses money in a day. So he struggled every week to just to make his rent and food. And he's working for like nothing. He's losing, losing all his money. And if he did win, it didn't last long. And I, I saw all that and I said, you know, this ain't, this ain't for me. I found a place that sold records and I found some Waylon Jennings records. I couldn't wait to get home to play him. Even though Raven was surrounded by the vices of Sin City, his mind was focused on music. And what remains now is a collection of stories. I did a 24 hour shift. 
so my pockets are filled with quarters and I'm walking home. I got picked up by the Las Vegas police after working. Car pulls up, they say, uh, can you get in? We wanna straighten something out. You look like somebody. Bring me to the police station and they tell me about a robbery that, that occurred the night before. Where were you? So I was working, I got money in my pocket. He said, oh, he had money in his pocket too. And he describes the guy. The only thing that didn't fit was he was 23, I was 17. And uh, brings me in and they're talking to me at a desk. An older cop, a younger cop. And as, as he's talking to me, I feel a whack across my legs. He's hitting me with a rubber hose. And then he you know, kept doing it. He says, you might as well confess. We're not gonna let you go until you confess. So I didn't do it, you know, and I'm trying, every time he hits me, it's a little bit harder and I'm not, I'm not trying to show any emotion. They keep me, they keep me for like hours, hours and hours in a cell for, uh, by myself, hit me with that hose quite a few times. Just, but they hit you here and they can't, you know, really don't leave marks. You got pants on, but it, you know, it hurt. It, it, and it's just, uh, it ain't right. And uh, finally he, uh, opens the cell and says you can go but don't leave town and that was that was the end of it yeah that's another raven story i haven't told that one in a long time if raven didn't have enough to draw from for his song lyrics i couldn't help but wonder if this run-in with the law got tucked away and made it into some song lyrics it's as if almost all of his experiences were a part of a song or two hearing the stories of his life I began to understand why so many song lyrics were stacked around me. It was time to return home. His time in Vegas was meaningful, but only lasted a few months before he went back to the sandy shores of South Beach, Miami. Figured it's, uh, it's time to, uh, it was getting near October, and uh, time for me to come home and watch the World Series. Warned my mom that I was coming back. Not warned or told her like, uh, you know, it's getting, it's getting near October, it's gonna be my birthday, the World Series. Oh, that, that year was the Tigers and the Cardinals. Yeah, because the Cardinals and the Red Sox were the year before. I thought, well, it'd be kind of nice to see it at my mom's house, even, even if the Eagle was there. The 75 hours going there was, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad coming home. Because I felt like when I get home, I'll, I could just lay back and relax. See where that takes me. She was happy to see me. She was real happy to see me. Happy I was in, you know, one piece. This is before I had my own apartment, so I had to sleep on the couch. And they had the bedroom, and I remember him getting up early and her him her making him eggs, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm there and they're right there, you know, real close. And I'm tired, and I thought to myself, thought about going back to school. I actually went there and asked. And because the last words they said to me, the doors of education are always open. But when I went there, they weren't open anymore. So I went to Lindsay Hopkins for a while. And that was like early 69 downtown. It was like a trade school, but they had creative writing, you know, different things. And I took creative writing. So I went there for twice a week for nine months. Thought the creative writing would be real good for writing songs. And I took, I was at history. Cause I kind of liked history. My mom never really encouraged me. It was, she said, oh yeah, she thought it was more of like a hobby. She never encouraged me. The Eagle had, he, every time he saw Johnny Cash on TV, he had to yell it to my mom, you should be driving a truck, that guy. 
you know, just, just insulting, you know, that's the kind of guy he was. My mom said, was, hey, he's, he's a great singer. He's a, you know, he's great American. You know, said, nah, he looks like a truck driver to me, you know, putting him down. Yeah, I was never encouraged that much. I never felt like I wanted to go back to Vegas. I said, I did it. It's not for me. I'm supposed to be here. I knew that. And every time I left, that was the first time. Every single time I ever left, I, I left for a shorter period of time. That was the longest period of time I ever was gone. Those uh, near six months. Every time I wanted to come back and I kept thinking of the beach, the sand. When I was a kid growing up here, how you know peaceful it was. So I thought to myself, this is, this is kind of like where I want to be. I thought maybe Nashville with the music, I think maybe my mom's about ready to, tension's building. She would never throw me out, but he was ready. He wanted me out. And I wanted to be out because uh, just being around him. I remember nights uh, during uh, 69, I slept outside all night. I went out to the beach. I found a construction site and slept out there like, like a homeless guy. Even though Miami is where he felt most comfortable, Raven couldn't shake the music. And he knew that this wasn't the place that would make his dreams come true. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. With tensions building at home and Raven needing to make a change, he looked for his next move. Getting a job and making some money would give him the power to decide his next path in life. It was October 21st, 1969. You know, I'm good with numbers. And I had 25 cents. Buses were a quarter back then. I'm going to walk over the causeway. And I went to Jordan Marsh to get a job, which was a high-end department store. And if, and if I didn't get the job, I was going to walk back and keep the quarter. And if I did get the job, I was going to spend a quarter and ride back. So I went for an interview and I got there sweaty. Like, I guess it's the personnel department. He had hesitations about hiring me because um, I came in kind of sweaty, black clothes. I wasn't dressed up. For the job that they were hiring me, it's called a shuttle worker. A shuttle worker is somebody basically who unloads and loads trucks and brings the material into the store. It wasn't like a job where I'm an executive or I'm a salesman. The guy says to me, he's gonna take a chance on me I did have to get a physical after, I didn't like physicals, you know, I didn't like getting blood taken out, but uh, it says, I'm taking a chance on you and hiring you. So I got to, to ride the bus home that day. And two days later, I was lifting uh, a chair, a swivel chair. I put my hand under the chair and the swivel went, went right into my finger, like right to the bone. And I needed the job. 
And I remember I had that finger all wrapped up. I slept with my hand up in the air. It was throbbing and hurting all night, but I needed that job. And, I, and I'm using my hands all the time, lifting things and, you know, you know, moving, uh, keeping my finger up while I'm lifting so it doesn't hurt anymore. I remember going up the escalator in Jordan Marsh with the blood dripping down. People, ooh, you know, all worried about me. I went to the guy's office, the, the guy who hired me. He put a butterfly band-aid on and sent me back to work. After a couple of weeks, uh, a lot better. I still got a scar. One of many scars. So this job was to save money to go to Nashville. I worked overtime Christmas. They, we got bonuses, and uh, by February, I had the money to go to Nashville. He, he's, so I says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my notice. I'm going to go to Nashville, save my money. He said, you know what? Anytime you need a job, you come back here. Did a real good job. And, you know, he said something nice to me. I said, well, well, thank you, you know. As Raven and I discussed the beginning of his journey to Nashville, I can't help but notice all of the country memorabilia around me. The one piece that stands out the most is this old weathered Wayland poster right inside the front of his door. I was learning all of songs I could hear him playing, you know, listening to him, and I was already inspired to start writing and start, you know, following my, my dream. I see all the pages of lyrics stacked in Raven's apartment, but I can't help but notice there's no guitar or any musical instruments for that matter. I think I was 15 when I got the guitar. And uh, I, yeah, real young, I think my, Mom went to the music store and we picked one out. I tried. I just never had the dexterity to play my fingers. They just felt like stiff. And I learned, I got a book of chords. I learned all the chords and I switched and, and, it, and it sounded like nothing. The only thing when I played, the only thing I think I could have been good at is maybe the bass. I noticed I seemed to be better with the four, you know, the top four strings. So uh, I just kept saying to myself, into the early 70s, I tried to play, and I said, you know, I, I just, rather than do something I'm not going to be good at, just don't even do it, and uh, just stick to the writing. Even without the ability to play guitar or piano, with the right people and resources, he could produce a professional demo tape, and ultimately, it comes down to his writing and vision, and the fact that Raven had decided to focus on being a songwriter. Everything around him was a blank canvas for his songs. I was watching his documentary on uh, PBS about Loretta Lynn, you know, coal miner's daughter. And they're in her house, and somebody finds a bark, like a bark of a tree with, with lyrics on it. And they say, Loretta, what, what's, what's this? And she says, well, it's all I had to write on when I wrote it. And that's the title of my song. And, I'm th and I thought about all the things that I had to use to write on, you know, when, when you get an idea. Napkins, toilet paper, uh, matchbooks newspapers, anything that you can write on your, your hands sometimes, you know, like a, I, there's a line even on the palm of my left hand and since I'm right handed, that's where some of the ideas were. So that's how, that's how that song came about. Uh, and, and all the places you get, to, you get, you can write in an outhouse, a, a porch swing. I think any songwriter can relate to that song about, you know, when, when the idea, when the ideas come, you can't let them go. All the paper and tissue, cardboard and matchbooks, and sometimes on the palm of my left hand. 
Newspapers and wrappers, envelopes and napkins, in places only a songwriter would understand. It's all I had to write on when I wrote it. It's all for the love of a song. It's all I had to write on when I wrote it. And if I didn't write it, the words would be gone. Restrooms and outhouses, kitchens and bedrooms, sometimes on a porch near a swing. Benches and parks, mountains and beaches, writing songs for a singer to sing. It's all I had to write on when I wrote it. It's all for the love of a song. It's all I had to write on when I wrote it. And if I didn't write it, the words would be gone. I'll step back in my track when the ideas come. Always have a pen. Words may not come again Then I write all night The song has just begun It's all I had to write on When I wrote it It's all for the love of a song It's all I had to write on When I wrote it I didn't write it, the words would be gone, the words would be gone. Raven is a production of Imperative Entertainment and Life is My Movie Entertainment. Hosted by me, Vincent Vittorio. Executive produced by Jason Hoke, Claudio Zungri, Vincent Vittorio, and Laura Caulfield. Original music by Louis Harrell. Original songs, Robert Ravencraft. Audio mixing by Richard Spooner. Story editors are Vincent Vittorio, Claudio Zungri, Teen U, Eric Ricks, Jessica Vittorio, Jeremy Marr, and Carolyn Harvey. Original photography, Mary Beth Kaith. Cinematography and editing, Ashton McCammon and Marley Mullis. Special thanks to Raven and the running community. If you like this show, please tell your friends and make sure to leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening.